To God be the glory. Let's take your copy of God's Word and turn to Psalm 119 and verse 74, if you would. Psalm 119 and verse 74. As you turn there, I, I want to share a little incident that took place with me. I was out and about one day riding on that four-wheel I was telling you about, and I was, I was on my way back to the house, and I noticed a turtle in the road. And I was going to be gentle and kind, and I was going to try to get that turtle out of the road so it wouldn't get hit. So I pulled over on the side of the road. We're pretty rural where we are. The closest gas station to us is about 18 miles, so we're kind of out, but we do have a little traffic. And I got off that four-wheeler, and I uh, got close to that old turtle, and I noticed it was a snapping turtle. So I, I was smart enough not to reach down there with my hand and just try to grab it. So I kind of hit it along with my boot. And every time I'd hit that turtle, Brother Billy, he would snap at me. And I finally got him out of there. And boy, he did not want me to mess with him at all. And all I was trying to, to do was help it, to be gentle, to be kind. And I nicknamed that turtle. I, I gave him the name of Mr. Unhappy Snappy. And in ministry and in life, we come across some unhappy snappies. All you want to do is help them, encourage them, strengthen them, get them out of harm's way, and they, they snap at you. I don't want to be known as an unhappy snappy. And I want to tell you in the age and the day that we live in, it's very easy for us as pastors to fall into that trap of becoming cynical. We live in a very cynical culture and it's so easy to fall into that trap of becoming cynical and critical and negative. And as a pastor and as a fellow brother in the Lord, I want to encourage you today and just ask that you will evaluate your own life, that I will look at mine. Sometimes it's so easy that I have to ask, what is it that is eroding the sensitivity in my life to be in awe of Jesus Christ? We can lose that childlike wonder and not cultivate an atmosphere around us that longs and delights to be enraptured and amazed with Jesus. That we can get in the Word of God and, and we can read through it and prepare our messages and prepare to serve and, and never find a sense of, of humility and brokenness before God because we've let things, we've let people, we've let this society get the best of us. And we lose the wonder of that victory that we have in Jesus. And in Psalm 119 in verse 74, the passage says, They that fear thee will be glad when they see me, because I also have hope in thy word. I pray in my own walk in life when my fellow brethren and in the Lord and church members or past congregations or whatever it may be, that when, when I come across a brother in Jesus, I, I do pray that I, I'm not one of those that they want to avoid. 
That they want to get out of the way. You know the kind of people that you, you come across every once in a while. You, you in the store in your hometown, you at Walmart, and you're walking through the aisle and you see somebody coming down the other aisle and you hurry up and get on the other side so they don't see you. I ain't the only one, huh? I think y'all have done that before too. You ever try to get out of the path of somebody? Because you knew when you encountered them, oh, here it goes. Are they bloodsuckers? They'll suck the life out of you. And you know that, you recognize that, so you want to avoid him. I pray that you, pastor, you mamas and brides in here, always be able to find yourself in, a, in an atmosphere that when the brethren see you coming, they're glad. They rejoice and are glad to see you. Why? Because you both have a common, a common conviction. You're both waiting upon the Lord. Amen. You are hoping in his word, anticipating what he's going to do. And as pastor of your church and leaders in your community and convention across the board that you find yourself living in adoration of the Lord with just a, a, a humility and meekness before him that you, that you love to praise God and give him glory in all things in your life. Something that we often may not recognize is, is the power or the strength we have in praising God. Now we got to keep in mind that obedience is the platform for praise. You don't necessarily have to praise Him with your mouth, though you will out of the out of the the mouth the heart speaks. But when we when we live in obedience, we can't help but want to give adoration to the Lord. We want to praise Him. We want to make known His glorious praise, and and that is the the calling of the Scriptures. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. But you know there is a praise that God has elevated. And exalted that is superior to all other praise. And that's the praises of his saints. See, and we're in Psalms. Look over in Psalm 148. Psalm 148. I'm going to read this psalm. Look what this psalm teaches us about praise. Psalm 148 begins saying, Praise ye the Lord, praise ye the Lord from the heavens, and praise him in the heights. Praise ye him, all his angels, and praise ye him, all his hosts. Praise ye him, sun and moon, praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. And he hath established them forever and ever, and he hath made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons and all ye deeps, fire and hail, snow and vapors, stormy winds fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven. 
Verse 14, he also exalted the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints. Even the children of Israel, a people near unto him, praise ye the Lord. You know, when we think about the sun and the moon and the stars, has there ever been a time when you've just been in awe of watching a sunset on the horizon and you couldn't help but, but remember Psalm 19, for the heavens declare the glory of God? And you thought about how beautiful and what a picture that has been painted. And you've seen the, the beauty of the moon and the stars that glisten at night. You've seen those redwoods, I've read about them, of the splendor of God's creation and, and angelic hosts who stand before the throne of God with their feet covered and their eyes covered and they cry out, Holy, Holy, Holy. But you know, God has elevated the praises of the redeemed above all the praises of the angels. That the praises of the saints are superior to the praise and the declaration of the sun and the moon and the stars. And I believe there's a reason why that it is superior. Number one, those angels that are praising him have never, never fallen. They've never been rescued and redeemed by grace. That son can, can declare that there is a creator and that he has a design in his creation. But I want to tell you, that son can't tell the world who that creator is. That son can't testify that they were fallen in sin and reprobate in mind and living for themselves. And the Lord Jesus came with a witness to them and brought the gospel to them and interrupted their lives and turned them and put on them a whole other course of living. And raised them up from the miry clay and put a song in their heart that people would see. As first Peter would say that we are a royal priesthood. Chosen generation. A holy nation, his own peculiar people who are zealous for good works, who once were not a people, who once didn't have the mercy of God, but now have been given God's mercy for what purpose? To, to show forth or manifest the praises of him who brought them out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. You see, God has, has called on, our praise is superior to all other praises on the face of the earth. So no matter what we're going through, no matter what we have to do, it is our, it is our calling upon our life to give praise under our risen Savior and glorify Him through everything, no matter what we have to face. Because as our brother already said, we don't fight for victory. We're fighting from victory. Amen. You know, we say different things are superior to other things. Some people like Ford over Chevrolets. Or they like the Cowboys over the Saints. Or they like this over that and this over that. I'm thankful that the clarity of the Word of God tells me that God thinks there are some things superior than other things. And one of those things is our praise. But you know, the enemy knows that. Satan knows that. 
He understands that there is strength in the praises of the saints. And if he can hinder you from praising God, what he does is he renders you less of a threat to his agenda. So what he wants to do to you is he wants to dehorn you of your praise. I've got some little bull horns I brought in here. Look at this. How many of you ever dehorned a bull before? Why would you dehorn a bull? You dehorn a bull, number one, to protect your investment. Having cows and bulls and those things are, are not cheap. You've invested resources and time and money in them. So you do all your can, all you can to protect your investment and to make that bull less of a threat. Now that bull is still dangerous. But you dehorn him to reduce his threat level. And the scriptures describe in this Psalm verse 14 or 148, notice how it describes the praises of the redeemed. He also exalted the what? The horn. A horn is something that is strong, something that is strength. It has power with it. And if the enemy can dehorn, quote, end quote, us of our praise, he makes us less of a threat to his agenda. And there's too often we give him glory and credit when it's often the glory of God at work in our life and we just failed to miss it. He knows if he can strip us of our praise. How many times you've been downcast and you blame the enemy and you blame people and you blame this and you blame that and you just get down on yourself, you get cynical around people and you become critical about everything. You're more known for what you're against than who you're in love with. That was the problem with the church at Ephesus. They were against this teaching and they were against that teaching and they were against this people and they were against that people. But they left their first love. And it was such an extreme that the Lord said, if you don't uh, repent where thou hast fallen and repeat the first works, there's nothing wrong if you are a Bible-believing preacher of the gospel. There's going to be a lot of things in life that you don't agree with, that you're going to stand against. But what people need to know about you is who you're in love with, amen? Not as much as what you are against. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't get caught up in what you were doing in life, but he came to you and dealt with the problem of your heart, amen? Aren't you glad that when you was living in sin and living for yourself and living in rebellion and living uh, for for self-centered reasons that he didn't just get enraptured with that and, and couldn't look at the looked at your transgression and didn't deal with the iniquity of the heart and change who we are as people so that we could praise and worship him. It's too often in my life I get caught up in what people are doing rather than what Jesus can do for them. Listen to me, preacher. I know you're in the same boat I'm in. It's easy to look at that man down the road who is drinking or that deacon who is smoking or, or that man doing this and that. And we get, so, we get so focused on their actions, we fail to realize the power of the gospel that is able to transform and change lives, renew minds, and make a vessel fit for God's service. He did it for you. He can do it for them. Amen. Before you know it, we get so 
hypocritical. We lose our sense of praise and adoration. And all the while, that's all the enemy wants us to do. He wants to strip us of our strength of praising God and give Him the glory. You see, the enemy also knows the power of our praise. Turn to Psalm 8 real quick. I'm just about done. I don't want to get into Brother Billy's time. Psalm 8. Look what this passage says. This was quoted in the New Testament by Jesus. I know you men of God are familiar with Matthew 21 when he says that his father's house should be a house of praise. This house of prayer, he said, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, he has ordained or perfected praise. This comes from Psalm 8. Let's read in verse 1 where it says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens and out of the mouth of babes and sucklings has thou ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. You see, the enemy knows if he can dehorn us, we lose that sense of adoration and awe and praise of God. And when we find ourselves there, because the scriptures teach us that God inhabits the praises of his people. We enthrone Him when we praise Him. And wherever the presence of the Lord is, there's fullness of joy. Amen. And the enemy knows that when we praise God, when He ordains praise out of our mouth, strength out of our mouth, that strong horn to come out of our mouth of giving adoration and pointing people unto Christ, singing the high praises of God, the Scripture says that that God steals the enemy and the avenger. Some translations use the word silence. It's a picture like this. It wasn't too far back. I was in my on my porch at the house and I heard some dirt daubers. Y'all ever have problems with dirt daubers over here? A dirt dauber light about on anything if it stands still long enough. And I'd been cleaning them dirt dauber nests off and I had a dirt dauber nest on a piece of plywood. I done knocked it down and as I was walking by it, I heard it again going. So, uh, Brother Billy, what I did, I hit that nest one more time and when I did, that dirt dauber nest was fresh. It was still a little tacky and it fell open. When it did, five big old spiders fell out. Fell out on the floor. I got to noticing... Brother Roy, when I was looking at those spiders, those spiders were still alive. The, 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 the legs on the spiders would move just a little bit, barely move. I got down real close. I take a lot of pictures. I pulled my phone out. I took me a picture of it. I investigated a little bit further and come to find out, you know, a dirt dauber, a mud dauber is an excellent spider killer. A dirt dauber goes out, finds spiders, stings that spider, paralyzes that spider. Doesn't kill it. Paralyzes it. Take that spider, walks it back to its nest, gets it up in the nest. Then it builds its mud nest around it, lays its larva on top of the spider and goes out and finds another one. And the larvae feed off of those live living spiders inside that nest. Now the spider itself has venom as well. And that venom can harm or hurt the dirt dauber. But the dirt dauber paralyzes the spider before the spider can get it. And I want to tell you Psalm 8 says that when the people of God praise the living God. God paralyzes the avenger and the enemy. He steals him. He silences him. 
so that the men and women of God can do the work that God's called them to do. Praise him, folks. Quit giving credit to the enemy. Give the glory to God. Praise him. And he will work for you. 